Welcome to Kohler Mania. Thank you for joining us today. We are super excited that you have joined us today. Uh, I'm excited about our topic. So let's get started. I'm Tanya. And I'm Michael. And today we're going to get into marriage and just talking about the aspect of marriage. And basically, we will discuss Ephesians 5 and getting right into marriage. So let's go ahead and get started. Michael, do you want to go ahead and kick us off? Yes, we're talking about two very important principles in marriage that are the grease and oil of any relationship, love and respect. It makes any relationship run and run smoothly. What's interesting is that both husbands and wives are not both commanded by God to both love and respect. God commands husbands to love and he commands wives to respect. Why the different commands? Why not just command husbands and wives to both love and respect? Emerson Egerts wrote a best-selling book, Love and Respect, that unpacks this very question. He has a video series of his Love and Respect conference for churches to hold classes on Love and Respect with all kinds of material that goes with it. We highly recommend it. If you hear of your church or another church going through this series, join in. Maybe ask your church or Sunday school class or small group to go through it. Lead a group discussion yourself. Emerson Egerges can lead most of it with his video. You just have to facilitate and lead a discussion by asking questions. And he has material to help you do that. We just led a discussion of love and respect in our marriage and family class for the second time. Or you can read the book. It was like 16 weeks or something like that, right? It took us about 16 weeks to get through it. Others may be able to get through it quicker. We polarize (laughs) things as we we say it in our Kohler mania kind of fashion. We tend to get in depth with things. We want to get really deep, right? And really kind of root out anything that could be hindering a marriage and just even continuing to, to work at it, right? To make the marriage better by using God's word. You know, you can also read the book yourselves as a couple and watch the conference on video and discuss it. You know, great thing to, to do together as as a couple. Do it over, over the Valentine season. But we wanted to unpack this ourselves for this podcast, and we'll be looking at Ephesians 5, 22 through 33, if you want to turn there, uh, about husbands loving and wives respecting. Why the different commands? And why? Because he created the institution of marriage to reflect God's kingdom. He made man in his image and he divided that image into two when he made woman for man. Now he reflects an aspect of his marriage and she reflects an aspect of his image. And when the two become one flesh in marriage, they complete God's image. He created man and woman very differently. If we were both the same, one of us is not necessary, but we are very different biologically, of course, but we are also very different in our psychology and how we see the world. God also assigned us different roles and gave us different needs and therefore different commands from God. We have very different worldviews. Have you ever thought about that? That we have different worldviews and men see the world differently and women see the world differently? I think we've kind of experienced that. <laughs> <laughs> I think every every couple has, but may not realize what the root cause is. You know, Emerson Eggers describes this as men seeing the world through blue sunglasses, hearing the world through blue headphones and speaking through blue megaphones. Women see, hear, and speak through pink. Men see the world through a blue worldview, and women see the world through a pink worldview. And this can be a great source of misunderstanding and issues in a marriage if we don't recognize this. 
Perhaps you've had this experience where you say something to your spouse and the words seem clear to you, but somehow midair, the words seem to change meaning and your spouse heard something very entirely different. Often this is because we see the world entirely differently and even attach different meanings to words. Emerson gives the cute example of a spouse saying, I have nothing to wear. You know, to him, that means I have nothing clean. To her, when she says it, it means I have nothing new. You know, try giving a diet book to a woman and she might very well get offended, whereas it might not bother him. Give her a marriage book and she'll probably love the notion that you want to work on the marriage, but give him a marriage book and he might get offended that you're trying to fix him. You know, she has a tendency to want to work on the relationship and solve any issues in it. He has a tendency to resist this as feeling controlled or that you think he's broken and not good enough. And there's studies out there that show that in an argument, regardless of how angry or calm either one appears outside, his blood tends to be boiling inside. His blood pressure rises, pulse rate increases. He's in an adrenaline response, fight or flight, run away, hit somebody or throw a chair through the window. And he can't think. While inside her, this isn't happening. This is why he tends to leave in an argument. He chooses flight instead of fight. Probably the right decision. But she gets upset because he has left and isn't engaging the argument and trying to solve an issue in the marriage. He looks like he's just avoiding it. And he may be. He may feel like he's being attacked all the time and he doesn't like that. And he's feeling disrespected and he doesn't even return to address the issue once he has calmed down, which makes things worse because him leaving makes her feel unloved. So it's things like that that show that we have very different worldviews. Husbands see the world through the lens of respect, while wives see the world through the lens of love. And studies bear this out. In a conflict, 83% of men report that they felt disrespected. 72% of women report they felt unloved. A study asked men and women, would you rather be unloved and left alone in the world or feel inadequate or disrespected by everyone? Almost every woman says, I'd rather feel inadequate or disrespected by everyone than be unloved. Duh. Almost every guy reports that he'd rather be unloved and left alone in the world than be disrespected. So totally different worldviews. And we, we have our classic example of kind of a ridiculous argument based on uh, misunderstanding and, and maybe some love and respect issues in there. And, and that's our classic light bulb story. Do you want to share yeah. our classic light bulb story? We actually made a video of that online and people laughed at it, but it was true. It actually was a big conflict for us. I think, I can't remember exactly, but I, I think that uh, there was a light out in the hallway and I remember specifically saying, Hey, can you um, help redo the light or replace the light over there? And I used those words over there, which I think triggered a defense or something like that. But when you asked me where over there, it triggered me a little bit of an offense because I felt like it was very obvious that it was right there in front of you in the hall, but you came back with over there where, and I think that triggered even more. So we're going back and forth probably a couple of times over there, where over there, can you not see it? And then the comments spurred up as where over there, down the street, down the hall, on the porch, where? And I remember I got so upset because I was like, are you serious? You have to say these things this way. And I think you felt disrespected. I felt upset and it, it spiraled into 
a negative circle of crazy cycle, which I think we'll end up talking about that in later podcasts. But it was very clear to me that I needed to be extremely detailed as to where the issue was. I even tested this out with my manager. Like the next week I had my coworker and my manager and I tested it out by telling my manager who's a man. And I said, Hey, um, I won't use his name, but I was like, Hey, the meeting is over there. He was like, where are you talking about over there? I'm like, it's over there around the corner over there. And he's like, I don't know what you're talking about over there. Tell me where. And I was like, over there. Can you not see it's obvious? And he got so mad. He's like, I don't know what you're talking about over there. Let me look up what the meeting room was. So I could tell that he also probably felt a bit disrespected because I didn't say over there, room one, two, three. And the same thing with my own husband, Michael, you telling you, over there in the hallway, in the hallway, the light bulb is out versus over there. And then the response is going back and forth. So that's our classic, I think, first year of marriage where we got a bit upset with each other and there was disrespect, lack of love, crazy cycle, all that stuff was going on. And we laugh about it now, but it was not funny at the moment. Yeah. And I, I know for me, I remember those feelings intently because when she said over there and, and I was just, I looked around and didn't see a light bulb that was off. I asked where, and then she just more emphatically said over there, you know, in a tone that was like, what are you, are you calling me stupid or something that I can't, I don't, I don't see it. And that just kind of touched off a kind of a disrespect kind of feeling inside. And I got upset and it's like over where? Let me prove to you how inaccurate that is. You're talking about down the hall in the bathroom, the next room over, the street lamp down the street, the next city over. Where are you talking about? You know, that's where what Emerson Egdris calls a crazy cycle can spin out of control because that was a very unloving response. I felt disrespected. So I gave an unloving response and it spun out of control from there. And to this day, I don't, I still don't know where that light bulb was that was, that was out in, in the house. So the problem never got solved. Because we just went crazy on the crazy crazy cycle in disrespect and and love. And, you know, that's a simple argument. You know, we all get on the crazy cycle. Sometimes marriages can get stuck on it where there's just a lot of disrespect and a lot of unloving behavior going back and forth on a constant case. And so that can really cause some issues in a marriage. But even for healthy marriages that are in a healthy season, we can have an argument that just spins out of control because we don't realize when we're being unloving or disrespectful because we're speaking in different worldviews. And so that's what we're going to unpack here a little bit today. Uh, That was just our classic example, but perhaps there's a reason for the different commands found in Ephesians 5, 22 through 33 for husbands to love and wives to respect. We have very different needs, different roles, and we see the world very differently. Wives need to be loved and husbands need to be respected. She sees the world through the lens of love and thinks he should too. He sees the world through the lens of respect and thinks she should too. God uses marriage to teach us how to look beyond our own needs and also look out for the needs and interests of others, as Philippians 2, 4 tells us. But let's unpack Ephesians 5, 22 through 33. And 
It starts off with a very lovely statement in verse 22. Wives, submit to your own husbands. How fun. <laughs> submit. Wives, submit. Tanya, you need to, res- you need to submit. <laughs> I think that's What every a, woman loves to hear. Yeah, that's a big word in the world, right? Uh, so we'll talk about that, I'm sure. <laughs> yes. And a lot point out to the verse before that in 21, where it says, submitting to one another in the fear of God. So some argue, well, that's the main verse. We need to just submit to one another. And so wives submitting to your own husbands after that just kind of vanishes in the background. But then what's the reason for that verse to begin with? There's no reason for it if it's just subsumed by the verse before that. And what God is saying here through Paul is He was writing a book to the Ephesians, and he writes a lot to the church about a lot of different spiritual topics like uh, redemption in Christ and by grace through faith and that were bought by his blood and walking in, in unity and spiritual gifts and walking in love and the fruits of the spirit, walking in wisdom, whole host of things until, and this is all to the church, until It ends in verse 21, submitting to one another as brothers and sisters in Christ in the fear of God. And Paul uses this to pivot, to start talking about now the marriage relationship. So he was talking about our relationship as brothers and sisters of Christ in the church. And now he's pivoting to say, let's talk about the other very important institution that God created, and that's the marriage. And when it comes to marriage, the first command there is wives Submit to your own husbands, a hard word in today's culture. It's a bit countercultural, but as to the Lord, we are to do that. That word submit is hupotasso in the Greek to sound all intellectual, which meant like soldiers. It was a military term referring to soldiers submitting to an officer. And in verse 23 says, for the husband is the head. That's kephale in the Greek, which is literally like your head, which could also be mean metaphorically like the source or as leader. So the husband is to be the source, like the provider and the leader of the family. As also Christ is the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. He reflects that aspect of God's kingdom. It reflects Jesus as being the head of the church. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives also be to their own husbands and everything. Then it goes to the husbands. Husbands love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church. This is an agape love. That verse, that word in the Greek language had different words for love. Unlike in the English language, we just have one general word. This word in in the Greek, you had eros, which was an erotic love. You had phileo, which was a brotherly love. This is agape love, which is a love that that God has for us, that unconditional love where 1 Corinthians 13, 4 through 8 says, be patient, kind, unselfish. It serves. It's not rude. It's not easily provoked. It, It thinks no evil. It assumes positive intent. It's unconditional. Jesus had agape love towards us. It was not based on how we're, how we're being treated. You know, Jesus died for us while we were rebelling against him. He had that unconditional love and he's commanding husbands to be like Christ and love your wives with that servant love. 
that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself, a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. Notice he's mixing in the church with the family. The two institutions are kind of carbon copies. The family is a microcosm, a small example of the larger church. So husbands ought to love their own wives as their own bodies. He who loves his wife loves himself, for no one ever hated his own flesh, but nourishes it and cherishes it treats her as special, valued, provides for her, just as the Lord does the church. For we are members of his body, of his flesh, and his bones. For this reason, goes back to Genesis, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. He's showing that we are the family is a microcosm of the church, and just as the body of Christ has many members, but they are one so too the husband and wife are two separate people, but they are joined to each other and become one flesh. This is a mystery that we don't fully understand, but it's that's the, the essence of marriages, that marital oneness. Nevertheless, let each one of you particularly so love his own wife, agape love as himself, and the wife see that she respects her husband. That respect in the Greek is phobos meaning deep admiration, kind of a respectful awe like you do to the Lord. It's a deep respect. And it's like, what does that mean? Do we, do we truly know what respect means? I love everything that you said. And, you know, looking at Ephesians 5, it also reminds me because we both have it engraved on our rings um, I know that I have the Ephesians 5.22 um, engraved on the inside of my ring. And then you have um, the verse 23 about husbands loving your wives. And this entire passage, I believe, just has so much meaning and is so profound, especially as I look at it from a wife's perspective, the responsibility that a husband has over his wife is pretty deep. And I'm sure that you're going to get more in depth into some of these things. What really stands out to me is one, women must submit to their husbands as unto the Lord. When we submit to the Lord, we allow the Lord to transform our lives. We allow the Lord to work his will in our hearts and when we submit to our husbands, then it's honoring God. And that is like so profound. And do I have it right? No, I don't. But do I want to be sanctified by the word and constantly being uh, renewed in mind? Yes, I desire that. And I love how the husbands are supposed to be loving their wives as their own bodies. Because if you think about it, you know, if, if you take care of yourself, you're not going to get sick because you're not saying that you can't get sick, but you're going to take proactive measures to take care of yourself. You're going to take vitamins. You're going to eat well. You're going to exercise. You're going to do all these things to help you. And that just reflects the man taking care of his own body is like taking care of his wife. He's taking care of her because she's one with him. And the fact that he has to present her without spot or wrinkle before the Lord. I mean, that is pretty deep and profound. And I just really love these verses. And I'm really excited as we continue to dig deeper into this series of marriage. It's just 
going to be encouraging to a lot of folks that are listening. And that's what we are going to unpack in these podcasts, uh, because it's a little bit not as understood as much as love is understood. Everyone loves love, right? In today's culture, the ideas of, of wives respecting and submitting is a big turnoff. There are a lot of cultural hangups and cultural meanings attached to the word respect. And we want to look at it, though, with biblical eyes. What is the biblical view? Let's cut through all the cultural hangups and the cultural meanings and look at what the Bible says about respect. So next time we'll look at Emerson Egridge's acronyms that he put together based on scripture, backed up by social psychological studies for how she defines love and he defines respect. She defines love by the acronym COUPLE, and he defines respect by the acronym CHAIRS. Husbands need to make sure they are loving their wives in a way that she can receive it, like a couple. And she needs to make sure she is loving her husband like he needs to be loved through the lens of respect, as defined by the acronym CHAIRS. Think of respect as a dialect of love, the male dialect of love. Respect is one of the five love languages that's contained in words of affirmation. It's kind of the male dialect of words of affirmation. And we'll look at all this in the following podcast, a podcast on couple and then a podcast on chairs. I love this overview regarding marriage and using Ephesians 5 for love and respect, because that is the foundation as we move forward as a couple, as a husband and wife to glorify the Lord, putting the Lord first in our marriage and then putting each other first because the marriage unity is such a beautiful covenant that is made before the Lord. And so this is just a wonderful start, like I said, and I'm really excited to continue in the next couple podcasts. I think we'll have several as we talk through uh, the different pieces of love and respect. But for our listeners, we just hope that you're encouraged. And if you are experiencing difficulties in your marriage, please pray. And we'll be praying for those marriages that are having difficulty because it is really hard to do these aspects if we don't have the Lord. And we want to keep our eyes on the Lord. And in that, I know that the marriage can be renewed and restored because God is with us. He's never against us if we seek Him out and we seek for help. So we'll end this podcast and we're excited again that you joined us for this series. And until next time, God bless. bless.